We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Kettering Baptist Church. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we'll begin at verse number 1. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. And they said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadad and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we shall not, or we will not, sit down till he comes here. So he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ready with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is the one. This morning, Kettering, actually, I'd like to begin a series of messages, or calling it the seven-sermon series summarizing the life of David. 
Today, I'd like to begin speaking to you from these verses from the topic, the selection of King David, with a sub-idea, he sees the best in you. At the celebration of gospel, Pastor Marvin Sapp sang a song in tribute to Steve Harvey, and the song was entitled, He Saw the Best in You. The song was actually sang as part of a, a CD called Here I Am. And the song was actually sang prior to the release of the CD. But nonetheless, what happened was the song became very popular very fast. It was unbelievable how fast and how quick this song gathered steam. But this song that you probably by now are tired of hearing was inspired from this very text. Pastor Marvin Sapp said he was actually listening to a pastor preach from this text uh, when he began to... Uh, jot down the words and even sing as an invitational song, God saw the best in you. So what I want you to kind of understand, even as I go through this text today, I'm not preaching the song. The song is singing about the preaching of the text. What I want you to understand, and the reason why I believe that song took off and has caught fire and means so much, because this song, when it finally came out under the CD, Here I Am, it began to set records even in the R&B and hip-hop eras. It was being played across the nation on all radio stations. And I wonder, why would a song like this have that kind of impact on that many people? What I've come to the conclusion is, is that people need to know that there is something different about God. God is different from man. And secondly, I think what uh, gathers the attention of people in this song and in this text is that it helps us to understand that there is more to you and I that meets the eye. As I looked at this text, there are three reasons, if you will, that I see that God selects David as well as reasons why he selects you and I. First of all, in chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? What has happened thus far in the text is that Saul, the people's choice of a king, has been rejected by God because of his continuous rebellion and disobedience to God. And then what we're getting ready to witness is God saying, okay, I'm going to now replace him with my choice. And so as I looked here, it says, you know, Samuel, so you can stop crying, stop mourning over Saul. It's over. It's done. I've already rejected him as being my king over my people. He says, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. The first idea I see here in the text as it relates to why God would choose David in the first place is because God provided him, David, for himself. David was made for God's purpose. And I want you to understand something, and I'm not just talking about David. I'm talking about you also. I'm talking about me. We, we all in this text as well. Why would God choose us in the first place? I think it's because God provided you and I for himself. Now, I need you to understand something. God is not a reactive God. He's a proactive God. In other words, he doesn't just react when man sins. He's already got the plan set in place. He knew man would sin. He knew Saul would fall short. He knew that Saul could not stand up to the requirements of God. And so he had already already foreordained before the foundation of the earth. He already had in place a man. He already had chosen a David. He already had fixed and fashioned. He was already prepared for his king to take place. He says, look, I have provided myself a king. I don't need to go through an election process. I don't need 
for the people to raise up Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome again, because that's how they got Saul. Y'all do remember Saul was tall, dark, and handsome. He was a good-looking dude, head and shoulders above everybody else. He looked like a king. He looked like he was in charge. And the people chose him, and they anointed him king, but that wasn't God's choice. God had already provided a king for himself. And the Bible tells us that when the people came and they kind of bum-rushed Samuel and said, Samuel, we want a king for ourselves," and they would not relent. Samuel was getting all depressed and all sad about it. And God said to Samuel, Samuel, don't worry about it. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me because I'm the one that rules over them. And they're saying, we don't want God to rule over us. We want a king to rule over us. And God says, I'm going to give you what you asked for. But they were determined to have what God had already prepared for them, but they were not prepared to wait for God's timing. And I'm trying to help somebody right about here because sometimes we get ahead of the timing of God. And we want it so bad. We want him so bad. We want her so bad. We, we want it so bad that we get ahead of God and then we choose our choice instead of waiting for God to bring us the choice he has for us. According to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, everything that is made is made through him and for him. That includes you and I. So he made us for himself so that we could fulfill a purpose that he had for us. First uh, Samuel chapter 15 lets us know also that not only did he have this king for himself already prepared, but it was a better king than the king that was in place. Because God says through Samuel, look, tell Saul that he's going to be replaced by his neighbor. I've got a better king that I'm going to put in place to replace him. I, I need us to understand that sometimes when you see somebody doing something, it doesn't mean necessarily that God hasn't chosen you to do it. But it may mean that God has chosen you who may be better in doing it than the person who's doing it. As we look through this passage, what I see after he says, you know, go, I'm sending you to Jesse to Bethlehem's house. Verse 2 says, and Samuel said, how can I go? If I go to, to his house, then what's going to happen is Saul's going to hear about it, and he's going to have me killed. And he says, okay, I got a plan for you. Uh, and not that this is a knee-jerk reaction to the plan, but I got a plan for you that's going to help draw a picture of something that's yet to come. What I want you to do is I want you to take a heifer, and when you go there with the heifer, let the people of Bethlehem know that you're coming to sacrifice unto the Lord and invite them to the sacrifice. What I see here in the text and what I see here in our own lives is that there's some sacrifices that were made to put us in the place that God has for us. In order for the selection of David to take place, there's a sacrifice that has to take place. This heifer has to be sacrificed, but there's some sacrifices that take place even before we get to this. For those of you that know something about biblical history, let me just throw this out. First of all, David is the grandchild of Ruth and Boaz. Before Ruth and Boaz got together, they had to be the sacrifice of a man called Elimelech. That was Naomi's husband. They, he had to leave Jerusalem and go to a place and die in, in that place. And watch this. And not only did he die, he had two sons, uh, Malon and Chilion, who also died, one of whom was the husband of Ruth. And had he not died, guess what? Ruth would have never met Boaz. Ruth and Boaz would have never had a child that would have brought forth David. And David is the one that God chose. I want you to understand that there's a lot of sacrifices that have been made to get us into the place of being selected by God. There's another sacrifice. Y'all do know about this one. There's a sacrifice that happened at Calvary. Y'all know about that, don't you? Had it not been for the sacrifice of God himself at Calvary, you and I would be eternally lost and there would be no hope for us. There is no way we would be able to do what we do for him had it not been for that sacrifice. There's been some sacrifices made to get us where we are. Secondly, as I look further in this text and we move on now, look at verse number six or so. After they go through the sacrifice, Samuel came and he, he 
when he came, the people was all, they were uptight, and they, the leaders came out to meet him, and they were like, you know, what, wait a minute, hold on, here comes Samuel. Now, it never was good news when the prophet showed up in town, because usually when the prophet of God came, it was bad news. It was like y'all been cutting up, and God's coming to bring wrath, and he's coming to bring judgment. Y'all better repent, or something like that. And they want to know, have you come with plagues and, and condemnations, or do you come in peace? So he said, I, I came in peace. And he's come, and he drags the heifer in, and they, they consecrate Jesse's house. And they invited them to the sacrifice. So all, all of Bethlehem and Jesse's house is invited to the sacrifice. And they come to the sacrifice. And the second thing that I see here, and, and I appreciate as we see somewhere around verse number 7, I believe it is, is that not only does God provide us for himself, but he also, God, looks at the heart. I, I love that about this text, and I love that about the fact of where we are, that God does not look at us the way man looks at us. Um, verse number seven says, but I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord God looks at the heart. And watch this, as God looks at the heart, God refuses other folk in order to choose you. It's right here in the text. It's, David's brothers are going to go before Samuel for an examination. Now, what they think is happening, that there is a physical examination that's taking place. And they've consecrated themselves. They've got themselves clean. And so what they do, they put on their best garments and they go walking in front of the prophet of God. They want to go and walk before him so that they can appear priestly, kingly, so that perhaps we will be the one that will be chosen. But what they did not know is God wasn't looking at the outside appearance. He wasn't looking at the weave. He wasn't looking at the fingernails. He, he wasn't paying attention to the tie. He wasn't looking at outward stuff. He was looking at something other than what man looks at. He was looking at hearts and when each one of them passed by, God rejected them. He refused them. He says, I, I haven't chose him. That's the problem with a whole lot of us. We look good on the outside. We dressed up on the outside. We smell good on the outside. We look good on the outside. But in the inside, we're wicked. And so God looks at the heart. He refuses these others. Eliab comes by in verse number six. God says, I've refused him. Abinadad comes by in verse number eight. And the Lord says, I've refused him. Shammah comes by in verse number nine. And the Lord says, I've refused him. Jesse marches the rest of his sons by in verse number 10. And the Lord says, I've refused all of them. And finally, Samuel has to say, is there anybody else? God refuses others to select David. Because God is looking at the hearts. In the midst of this text, I don't want you to miss this. Verses 6 to 11. What I want you to see is how everybody else rejected David. Look with me. I'm, I'm going to walk you through. It says, look at verse number six. It says, so it was when, when they came that he, that is Samuel, looked at Eliab. And Eliab said, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. Samuel rejects David because Eliab looks like a king. Now, Samuel should have known better because Samuel should have remembered how we got Saul. But now we've got Eliab running through and, and Samuel says, it must be him. Which, in essence, says it can't be David. Then, after Samuel rejects him, his own father rejects him. 
Pastor, how did that happen? Because if you look through those verses 6 through 11, his father never brings David before. Matter of fact, when he consecrated his sons, he didn't even bring David in to get consecrated. He, David wasn't even invited to the sacrifice. David was left out in the field. His own father brought seven sons and marched them before the man of God. And David wasn't even considered. His own father said, ain't no way it couldn't be David. Some of y'all know how that feels. Ain't no way you ever going to be anything. And sometimes, unfortunately, that kind of rejection comes from your own family. Sometimes it's your own family that dashes your hopes. It's your own family that tells you you're worthless. It's your own family that says, I never wanted you. Not only does Samuel reject him and his own father rejects him, but keep in mind, all of Bethlehem has been invited to the sacrifice. And while we're marching folk in front of Samuel for consideration, nobody in Bethlehem even bothered to say to Jesse, hey, Jesse, you got another son. The whole town, the whole neighborhood said, you ain't going to be nothing either. I know, yes, that's the one. You know that boy always in trouble? He'll end up in prison or dead. The whole town of Bethlehem did not consider David. David is dealing with the rejection of everybody. Everybody has cast him aside. But watch this. The good news is, is that God looks at the heart. He says, look, Samuel, the Lord does not see as man sees. This is what man sees. Man sees David. And David, the Bible says, he's ruddy. Ruddy means red. He's either red in the face or he's red-headed. He's got that discoloration. He's got that bright redness in his face. He, he doesn't look kingly. He's 10 to 15 years old. He's too young. David, he's a little short kid. He's got bright eyes, but he's eccentric. He's unusual. The one that sits out in the field playing harps and singing songs to sheep. He's not qualified. That's what the world sees. But God sees his heart. And what God sees in him, as God sees in you and I, is not where we are or the trouble that we've been in, but God sees the potential of what we can become. I praise God today that he doesn't judge us on our trouble. I, I praise God that he doesn't hold us captive for where we've been. I praise God that he looks inside of us and sees what we can become, and he sees the best in us. He sees the potential in us. He sees what we can be. He looks at the heart and... And the heart is the intentions of the man. And in fact, God says of this David, whom he's going to choose, he is a man after my own heart. That's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a man who has a heart like mine. That, that's what I see in David. And so he chooses him because he provided him for himself. He chooses him because God looks at the heart. But thirdly, God chooses him because God anointed him the one. Look there in verse number 11, picks up in Samuel's. Um, after he marches them all through, he says there's this, the young kid, he's out there with the sheep, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, you know, bring him in. We're not going to move on. We're not going to go forward until you get him in. And so verse 12 says, so he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking, you know, red head, bright eyes. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. I love that. 
for the assignment that I need, for the position that's open, there's only one position. There's, there's only one vacancy. And, and after I've seen all uh, the other seven march through, this is the one. Get up, um, Samuel, and anoint him because this is the one whom I have formed. This is the one who I have determined. This is the one who I made for myself to be king. He's not the one we would have chose because he's not the tall, dark, and handsome. He's not the oldest child. He's he's not even the seventh child. And and seven would have equated him to being the child of perfection. He's the eighth child. I've chosen him. He's the the eighth child. He's the the youth. He's the red-headed one with the bright eyes. Yeah, he's the eccentric, strange kid that's playing out in the field with the sheep. And he smells like the sheep. And he hang out with them too much. And and he loves the sheep. And and he's nurturing the sheep. And and he cares when the sheep get hurt. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one I want. Anoint him. Because I need somebody like that to be king. I need someone whom I've been working through his eccentric personality to love my sheep. I'm working through him so that one day he'll write the 23rd song. The Lord is my shepherd. I need him, but I need somebody to understand shepherding. I, I need somebody to understand sheep. I, I need someone who can who has songmanship and, and not only songmanship but warriorship. I need someone who's able to kill a lion and also a Goliath. That's the one. That's the one. Anoint him. Oh, anoint her. Yeah, yeah. She's the one. She didn't come up on the right side of the track. She she didn't go to the right school, but 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 anoint her. Yeah, get him. Yeah, that's the one. Anoint this one. Watch this. Samuel took the horn and he anointed him with the oil in the midst of his brothers. The oil being poured on David is more for the affirmation of the anointing that already is on him. David was born anointed. For God began to form him and shape him and knit him in his mother's womb, he was thought of anointed. And so when God brought him about, he was already anointed for God's purpose. He was born for God's purpose. You were born for God's purpose. You were anointed in the womb. You were prepared in the mind of God before he even knit you in the womb. And when the time comes, God's going to also point to you and say, you are the one. If he hasn't done it already, he's going to let you know, I've chosen you. I've anointed you. You don't necessarily necessarily need a bottle of oil. What the oil is going to do is going to affirm the choice of God. And what it does, it validates it for the prophet and it validates it for the people who are watching. The anointing says, yes, this is God's choice. It tells the prophet God has chosen you. It tells the people God has chosen you. But what I like about him being selected as the one, he is the one that God has formed in the womb. He is the one whom God has looked into his heart and seen his heart. He is the one that God anointed before the foundation of the earth. And now he is the one who is having the oil poured on him right in front of all his haters. God will anoint you, position you in places that you don't even think you qualify for. And he'll do it in such a way that he'll do it in front of your enemies. When it happens, don't expect them to celebrate you. The folk that did not want you and did not think you were qualified in the first place, they're going to come after you later on. I don't know how she got that spot. You know, she ain't even been to school. They're going to talk negative about you hard. They're going to beat your reputation down hard. They're going to talk about your family. They're going to talk about all the disqualifying things about you, but don't worry about that, okay? Don't worry about that. You need your haters. 
Because the Bible says that God will make your enemies your footstool. So when you get done doing the ministry of God, when you get done doing the work that he's anointed you and appointed you, you're going to need somewhere to rest your feet. And you're going to need them enemies to rest your feet on. Let the haters come. But God saw the best in you. I thank God today that he's not like man, that he does not look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. If your heart is not right, get it right today. If your heart is wayward, come back in line today. God looks at the heart and he's looking for a people whose heart is after his own so he can use them for his glory's purpose. He's already fashioned and shaped you so that you can fulfill the mission and the vision. He just needs to get your heart in order. I thank God for the selection of King David. But even more so, I thank God for the selection of you. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our Spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. What happens when an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's